boys, I have something beautiful to let you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I think Yugopnik will be the the most proud of me. But I have finally. <laughs> I have finally you had a fucking beer. No, 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 stop it. I have finally gone a desk and a chair. Hey, uh, yes! So now I am oh sitting... my fucking god, yes, <laughs> he did it. <laughs> exactly right, but it's it's not the in perfect hacking fashion. By the way, it arrived like half broke. <laughs> the, the, the people who brought it up the the stairs, they just dropped it on the floor, and the edge of this fairly okay, I guess, uh, wooden table is all fucking chipped to shit. Love so it. I have to make sure I. Don't cut myself and bleed out during this stuff. <laughs> I'll fix it later. But yeah, but hey, it can go up and down. Wow. So uh, we're moving up in the world. Congratulations! Boys. I lovely. It's a it's a movie one, but uh, it's a moving one, but it's uh, but it's broken. Okay, so you you advanced from uh, recording from <laughs> under your bed to a table that can literally potentially kill you. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> so that's that's my contribution for for the day. Wow. Proud of you. Absolutely. As you, as our dear guest can see, this is an incredibly uh, professional, international <laughs> podcast exactly spanning right. pretty much almost every continent on planet Earth. But what unites us in uh, in our effort to uh, spread the communist propaganda is obviously uh, the, the what we refer to as ghetto productions that we have right here. <laughs> Even though we're talking shit, but JT is literally sitting right now in like a decked out fucking studio, okay? <laughs> but still, still. What's your setup, GDF? My setup is is very low tech. Yeah, I'm just at my dining room table. I I don't I have no office nice. chair, gaming chair. Horrible posture. Um, uh, you know, yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. Let's go. It's still kind of early on, you know. So uh, yeah, I just haven't made mm. all of those probably very important investments in my health uh, as of yet. But uh, yeah, so nice. that's that's proper pro- proletarian, <laughs> yeah. uh, proletarian behavior, right? No there. overhead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> The, the the gamier your chair is and like the, the fancier table is and if you have three fucking monitors and yes I am looking at three monitors right now <laughs> that are literally like one monitor is like useless I just use it for discord like okay what the yeah. fuck and then I have one monitor that like just w- causes me constant uh, brain uh, hemorrhaging which is my twitter feed of course uh, mm. just to be constantly annoyed and, uh, and the one that I actually fucking use uh, but yes anything one, one monitor plus uh, a desk that moves and uh, a chair that is mildly comfortable that is already petite bourgeois. Marx literally <laughs> talked about this. <laughs> and you need to and you need to stop talking about uh, what, what, what you don't understand, you class trader. What did Marx say about the the headphones or the cat ears? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The JT favorites. <laughs> mm, they're wearing them right now. Look, oh, all yeah. I'm going to say, I'm, I'm going to tell you all what my daddy told me. Never skimp on things that separate you from the ground. So shoes, beds, mm. car tires, and chairs, and you'll you'll live a long and happy life. Mm. Fantastic <laughs> advice. Oh my god, I love it. My 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 current problem, by the way, which maybe I don't know if, if people can hear this. We'll get the feedback later, but um, because I pushed this this table right up to the corner of my room, so I'm speaking at the walls, and the sound waves are like hitting me back, and I hear it, and oh. it sounds different. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? <laughs> I didn't think about this. I should have probably gone the phone, but where the fuck am I gonna get this phone bullshit? So I'm gonna ask JT about this later. But my my uh, makeshift solution right now is just to uh, make like a, a pillow wall. Yeah, that's the best <laughs> way to do it. Up. Nice. I, for the <laughs> for the first like three years of my channel, I was sitting on the floor in my closet, surrounded by clothes, hey. and the clothes just absorb all the sound reflection. So it works really well. Yeah, just toss a See, toss a shirt or two up on the wall or a blanket. All works right. right. Mm. 
Perfect. And, and I just have extremely shitty audio and I continue to do <laughs> yeah. so. And I just uh, Same. force my editors to fucking hate the shit yeah. out of me yeah. uh, by, by making this. Um, but no, I, I have to say I have been a proletarian up until very recently. GDF, I have a horrible posture because I re- recorded everything on a fucking kitchen table for until literally five months ago mm. when I uh, splurged out. It was quite literally my only like actual material thing yep. that I dreamt about. Like, that I was <laughs> like, I really like just want a setup, and the boys can mm. approve. And when <laughs> I sent and and they uh, and they said, okay, it's clean, it's nice. I was like, okay, now I'm a proper fucking person doing this internet mm. shit or whatever, yeah. the, whatever you want to call it. But uh, JT, you mentioned the tires, which uh, reminds oh, yeah. me, uh, GDF here, we have a long-standing discussion about a car that, that JT has been building for, I think, three decades <laughs> oh, at this point. A little <laughs> over a year, thank you very much. Yeah, three decades. I am pretty sure we've been talking about it since the fucking first episode. This <laughs> mm, podcast has been running for two years now. Oh, my God. So, but no, <laughs> yeah. do we do have an update? And for uh, for new viewers and listeners and GDF as well, tell them what the fucking car project is and then update us on what the fuck is yeah. going on. Sure. So I'm building a 1992 Volvo 240 wagon. Mm. Uh, I'm swapping a, a six liter LS uh, V8 into it. Uh, <sighs> I'm going to have about 500 horsepower to the rear wheels. Hell yeah, brother. Hell yeah, brother. That's right. Mm-hmm. And I, I just paid actually the last, just confirming this. Yeah, this is the last invoice for the last remaining small drivetrain items and like suspension parts and the front brakes, uh, wheels and tires and stuff. All that's left is to button this thing up, put the wheels and tires on, put the front brake kit on, you know, a couple cooling hoses, mm-hmm. the battery. So another year. Yeah, so another year. I, yeah, I was, okay. I've been saying this for a long time. It's like, oh, it'll be within the next <laughs> month, within the next month, I swear. <laughs> just, boys, just please, one more month, one. Yeah. <laughs> Give me one more. But uh, I'm thinking at this point, I was hoping it's going to be before Christmas. Honestly, at this point, I'm going to say it's going to be before the end of January because I just mm. don't think with the holidays coming up, they're going to have enough time to, to do the work. But it's very, very close now. I can taste wow. it. I can take. I'm gonna lick the wheels as soon as I get it. I'm all. Oh, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready. Especially they might get delayed because literally everybody's fucking sick. Yeah. I'm also sick right now. Me yeah, too. girlfriend's yeah. been sick for two fucking weeks with some weird fucking Brutal. thing. Doctor Hakim, like I know the planet isn't <laughs> one place. Obviously, <laughs> why is what's happening sick? here? My, but why is everyone sick, bro? What kind of fucking flu is this? Maybe you have access to some information. Are the are the biochips and our vaccines <laughs> yeah. finally like slowly killing us? <laughs> you didn't yeah, get the new firmware update. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, basically, I don't know if if you live in a country with a semi-competent healthcare system. <laughs> uh, so not the United States. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, nope. but most countries they have like um what basically their uh, their equivalent of uh, what is the American one? The Center for Disease Control is it? What is that? Yeah, yeah. CDC. Uh-huh. Um, exactly right. The the equivalent, the national equivalent for every country has their own basically monitor of uh, what um, particular influenzas are going around, what particular viral infections are going around. So they'll basically tell medical staff, hey, from August 1st, for example, we have this new strain that's coming around. So start vaccinations, expect more people to come in, blah, 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 this kind of like it, this is We've had a, a confirmed case of this in this hospital, for example. But right now, what is it? It's yeah, almost in the middle of December, so I wouldn't be surprised if influenza A and B is starting to spread around. Uh, oh, God, it sounds fucking terrifying. Influenza. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it probably is just a flu or whatever, but like, it sounds yeah. like, like my kids are going to die. <laughs> and I don't even have kids. <laughs> 
yeah. various various kinds of COVID infect- infections, not only the COVID, but other uh, like uh, coronaviruses um, that cause you know regular flus, otherwise, uh, um, excuse me, regular colds, uh, amongst other things. So it's not surprising. This is this is the season for it. Don't go around any preschools. That's my, my oh, recommendation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just the season to avoid children. But I remember back in my day, mm. I'm 78. Uh, you know, you get sick. You know, your tummy hurts or your head hurts or you mm. like uh, have a stuffy nose or you cough right or you have like diarrhea or whatever the fuck mm. but now like the symptoms are like the inner lobe of your right ear and your left eye and like your eyebrow <laughs> hurt like <laughs> what the fuck are these mutations obviously this is a non-scientific idiotic question mm. that will still insist on Hakeem uh, answering <laughs> but, but what just happened to like classic fucking diseases man I just want to you know vomit three times <laughs> have to sleep for two days the fever comes down and you know I'm okay again I'll, I'll tell you why the vast majority of infections that made you feel like you know a little bit sniffly and all that those are very common those are the ones that you had as a kid and then you developed uh, immunity against mm. um, as you get older then the variety of infections that can get to you kind of viral infections reduce in total amount um, there's something like over 200 different kinds of cold viruses that you can get and each time you get a cold it's a different kind it's a different one there are certain viruses as well that end up with several mutations over their uh, basically lifetime, um, mm-hmm. and that's why you end up with new infections. Um, even ah. though, like it's like you can have COVID again or a different kind of infection again. That's a reason for it. This is why I love running a show with this <laughs> yeah. fuck because like I can ask a completely deranged fucking question. He's <laughs> like, well, no, I actually have well, a actually. fucking answer for that. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm the I'm the the meme, the emoji, <laughs> the guy with the teeth and the glasses. Actually, fuck. Anybody else need medical advice? Does anybody else need the the Hakeem healthcare plan? <laughs> I, I'm still pitching it to this. Join the Discord. He, You'll get it for free. We have like a three hundred dollar uh, Patreon. Uh, uh, fucking thing where you literally have 24 hour access like you get <laughs> from and you can just call him and get like uh, consultation that's gonna be much cheaper than just the regular US absolutely oh yeah absolutely it is and, I'll kill and we'll even too. pitch it we'll call it something like uh, uh, grassroots uh, socialist uh, it'll be uh, me health uh, movement <laughs> or whatever the fuck. it'll be me and bisexual lighting don't worry <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> giving, giving people advice on, on their chlamydia infection uh, my god the second they call you the phone like turns all bisexual lightning uh, and shit it's like yeah. <laughs> yes honey uh, like, <laughs> <laughs> like me and JT just screaming it at Hakeem in, in, the, in the Discord chat yo bro you haven't fucking reached your quota of the, like we, we produce we more even, like, yeah we, we're not even running a podcast it just become like a hotline to get yeah. Hakeem to cure motherfuckers uh, Hakeem um, I'm seeing a disturbing lack of gout uh, in your in your notes here what's going on <laughs> Hello everyone and welcome to yet another episode of The Deprogram. Today we have a promising rising star of anti-imperialist agitation with us. He smokes US military talking points, dances on the graves of propaganda and teaches us the ways of the forgotten nameless soldiers of misfortune. Welcome Mm. to the show GDF, it's a pleasure to have you and thank you for coming. So. Before we begin, do tell our audience uh, who might not have had the privilege of uh, checking out your work before a little bit about yourself. First, I just want to say um, thank you for the introduction, uh, which I don't deserve, and then also the uh-huh. opportunity to be on the show. 
Uh, I'm very honored, and I'm a big fan of all of you, so thank you so much. But I, I guess to introduce myself, I am primarily, I guess, a YouTuber now. Um, I've been doing videos and everything uh, for a couple of years, and I was a shit poster before that, essentially, uh, for a couple <laughs> of years before that. So it's been a gradual process, and uh, now it's just long-form content um, that I, I guess my beat so to say, uh, is um, American foreign policy, um, you know, which um, there are a lot of other collateral uh, stories uh, to talk about, with, um, particularly right now with Israel and then Saudi Arabia, you know. So I think that all is kind of under the umbrella of uh, topics that I cover, yeah, day to day. Brilliant. I mean, uh, it's a very big topic to cover because saying, you know, U.S. foreign policy, yeah. that's literally talking about the whole planet. Exactly. Because, um, I don't know, U.S. literally prances throughout it all. But uh, before we uh, properly start, GDF, would you tell <laughs> our audience what that stands for? Or it stands for nothing and it's just great sounding, which is also fine. <laughs> well, I, I probably should have said that, but I'll be honest. I mean, I, like I said, I was a shit poster. I, I had a meme page on Instagram called Gaddafi Official. So it was, you know, the <laughs> English spelling of, of, of uh, you know, the late Muammar Gaddafi. And um, when I was branching out into YouTube, I just really couldn't come up with a, a, really a name for my channel, and I think it's kind of an homage to how I started out and everything. Mm. He's a very divisive figure. There's a lot, you know, obviously there's a lot of complicated, it's a complicated, he's a complicated person. Um, but I'd be lying if I didn't say that there were things I admired about him, but then also at the same time, his story and his demise is kind of emblematic of mm. everything that I cover in my mm. uh, in my videos and have for you know some time now beautiful th th that's a lot more thought that went into a name <laughs> fucking yugopnik bro <laughs> <laughs> yeah so before we we jump into the main topic of the episode i just out of curiosity something i've been interested in lately is how lefty and anti-imperialist channels got their start because it's very difficult to grow channels like that i had an unfair yeah. advantage because i started with you know, like infographics, general interest. Oh, what would happen if we killed all mosquitoes kind of videos. <laughs> um, so I'm curious, was it difficult to grow your channel from nothing to what it is now? Did you find a, a receptive audience from the beginning or like was there a particular video that kind of launched you to, to prominence? Mm. Before I really was active on YouTube, I was um, active on Instagram and TikTok, um, or that's where I had most of my audience. Mm -hmm. So you initially. Could segue that, okay? Yeah, you know, there's something something to be said for segueing that, but uh, it, I think it was more important probably to have a video pop off on YouTube, mm -hmm. and I think what did was my guerrilla warfare series those particularly yeah. the iraq video um how mm. um iraqis got so good at smoking american soldiers that was really what mm. i think kind of started a great everything. title yeah <laughs> thank you so much yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank you provocative but yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> correct also <but>. yeah <laughs> yeah true it's, it's the only type of smoking that hakim yeah words. No, exactly right <laughs> <laughs> Turned into a pack, oh. uh, you know. Sometimes one, sometimes a few packs a yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. On a good Jeez. day. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, you've you've also got you've also got a number of, of videos on on Israel and Palestine, which is a very mm. hot button issue at the moment. Um, hot button in a negative way. It, the, the algorithm hates it. The, exactly. YouTube hates it. Yeah. 
Mm. So my question, I guess, is how? Like, how are you, like, not mm. getting pulled from the platform? Like, I can tell you from experience that any time I try to offer a nuanced analysis of the situation or just even push back a little bit on the mainstream mm. narrative, um, mm. I get a lot of Zionists or, like, credulous liberals trying to get me deplatformed or, or, you know, reported for hate speech or demonetized or whatever. Is that something you've had to deal with as well? I think it's uh, – I, I, I'm not sure if there has been an effort in a um, public way. Uh, I get a lot of angry email. I have for years. I mean mm. you know, it, it didn't all start with – I've been covering the story for, for years now. Um, yeah. So I've been getting angry emails for a long time. But in a public way, I'm, I'm sure my videos probably get reported. Um, I'm also aware of the fact that at any time, anything can happen. Yeah. And um, I'm, I'm very mindful of that, that – uh, I, I think that I, I want to, for as long as I can, try to push out as many stories uh, with regarding what's uh, happening right now mm-hmm. um, in the mm-hmm. region. Yeah, so I'm mindful of the fact that it, it could all be taken away, but um, mm. from for right now, I think uh, it's very, very important. Um, yeah. For awesome. me to be covering it, yeah. Not only this, but also it's something nice to see. Again, not to not to like pull the it pull side of it but if you were to see a air presenting kind of person de- delivering these points then a lot of uh, a lot of white people will be like hey yeah no there's some bias here or yeah. something because yeah they somehow th- some people seem to think that there's some such a thing as unbiased media but <laughs> to hear it coming from your voice and mm-hmm. yeah, the, the way that you know like a very traditionally american quote-unquote uh mm-hmm. presenting right i think this gives it a lot more credence to a more neutral audience which yeah. is incredibly important the white mm. people just fucking say it <laughs> <laughs> the, the whites need to listen. Oh. <laughs> the white people the whites need a white guy to listen to okay yeah, true. Uh, yeah absolutely yeah gdf <laughs> and i are, are, are tactical yeah. white guys yeah <laughs> Uh, yeah, tactical. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Hakim's yeah. now really avoiding talking about white people because we got a whole fucking episode <laughs> taken down because we got taken about down white to... genocide. Like, we got taken yeah, yeah, yeah. hate speech to <laughs> literally. Yes. What the fuck? <laughs> the program famously known for being Nazi. We just yeah. need one more Hello, white fella. Man. We just need one more white fella to outnumber <laughs> yeah. you. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. Okay. Speaking of whites, uh, let's start with your bread and butter: the U.S. military getting smoked and all sorts of uh, wars from vietnam to iraq so what are give us a top list what was that what was that uh, youtube channel where they constantly rank things oh top five exactly so what are your top five u.s military <laughs> failures Please number one detail about each <laughs> exactly yeah. I'm, do, I'm gonna be toxic do all of them in that voice oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> sure. so I, I i think number one uh, has to be it's it's got to be iraq um, mm. You know, I, I think reading mm. about Iraq is, is so fascinating um, when reading about the American planners. It's just a story of absolute arrogance, mm. um, it, namely uh, L. Paul Bremer uh, III, mm. um, his his <laughs> Of course, decision. he's the fucking third. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah, exactly. Oh, God. Um, but uh, uh, there are more of them. Yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> to fire outright. The entire Iraqi military, police, all the security services, hundreds of thousands of people, half a million, in fact. And um, yeah. one of know, the largest course, militaries at the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fourth or fifth or something in the world? Ridiculous. Yeah, Anyways. Yeah, that's insanely high, that number of, of people. Um, and, 
you know, of course, giving them ample time when they're heading out to grab as many artillery shells and battle rifles as they can get their hands on. Um, it's got to be one of the single most stupid initiatives that the United States has ever gotten behind. And, of course, the resistance used those artillery shells to bomb them into oblivion. Mm-hmm. I mean, they mm-hmm. bled the occupation for 20 years uh, until know. they had to f- finally cut their losses. Uh, and uh, all at a staggering price, not only in bodies, but in mm. um, uh, monetary, monetary. costs, which Al- yeah, in which Al-Qaeda were— care about, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, that is at the end of the day. And then, uh, which Al-Qaeda, were, of course, were paying very, very close attention to. It's like the who would win meme, a uh, $50 billion yearly budget to fight IEDs <laughs> or a $30 homemade bomb, if that, yeah. if that. Hmm. Yeah. Cost half their work, <laughs> you know, and that is impressive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just want to mention a few, a few silly points. Um, <clears throat> my first thing is, uh, I would like to imagine some some uh, American uh, military personnel cruising along some street, and all they hear underneath them is da 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 da. As far as far as I know, those old brick phones were used as det- detonators through calls, yeah. um, but they Multiple did not. Multiple times, like it would yeah. explode, oh, yeah. and yeah. like the Humvee would disappear, yeah. but the Nokia could be reused. <laughs> could be exactly right. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but uh, as far as I know, they were always on silent. They they never had them ring, which is such a shame yeah. uh, the, the meme potential <laughs> the best meme potential exactly yeah, yeah that's number yeah. one and and number two uh, maybe i don't know if this is uh, extensively like written on uh, in 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 english sources but uh, prior to the invasion like we saw the writing on the wall, wall in iraq that uh, the invasion is coming so from like 2000 2001 and right up until 2003 um the central government be- began distributing rpgs to the population yeah. at the time um and <laughs> I don't. I, I don't know a single person that did not have one in the trunk. Yeah. Uh, a, a, a launcher with I think either one or two or three, depending. That they had a system for it. But yeah. Um, so <laughs> that's the second point. And the third point is um, maybe this is interesting to just to get your your opinion on this. The official figures of the United States because they're incredibly casualty averse. The yeah. American military because oh, yeah. uh, it has a high price at home. They clearly lie on their casualty reports. They they try to obfuscate it by covering up their own dead, uh, or by uh, not counting in um, mercenary deaths as uh, casualties of the American military, um, which is a sneaky way because it's still an American citizen that went over for the purpose of the war. Blah blah. blah. Anyways, um, but. As far as we know, the official death toll is something like 5,000, 6,000 people, um, but the injured is over 1 million. Now, mm-hmm. I want you to explain to me, or maybe maybe you have some other insight, how can a country, or how can a military that sustains over a million injured only result in 5,000 deaths? Or do they really think the American people are that stupid? Um <laughs> Well, of course, they have an interest in in downplaying uh, the number of casualties. Um, a million injured is an in, insane figure, and it, it's not yeah. just um, there's injured, but then there's also the after effects. You know, you have all of the uh, the uh, men that were you know suffered from CTE and suicide and everything like that. Um, so that five thousand mm-hmm. casualty figure, of course, increased substantially after the fact as well. Um, but of course, yeah, they they have an interest. I mean, many countries do, but of course, the U.S. has an interest in in downplaying their casualties, as I'm sure is probably happening in uh, Gaza right now uh, mm-hmm. with the Israelis. That's definitely um, being downplayed because it's very unpopular. The more and more casualties you have, and that's part of what uh, had the Israelis uh, pull out of um, Lebanon uh, finally in two thousand. Um, mm. So yeah, they actually, you know, they want to downplay it to continue the yeah. bleeding. 
Yeah. Okay. So that was number one. Give us uh, at least two more. Oh, jeez. Uh, yeah. US sorry. Yeah. Failure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can't carry away. Obviously, that's one of uh, particular interest. Well, I guess, of course, number two would have to be Vietnam. Um, ah, and, yes. Yeah. Well, with the National I mean, Liberation Yeah, horrible. Fund. Jesus, that sounded yeah. fucking fucked up <laughs> yeah. for me. I'm like, wow, the whole war was worth it so we can make a top three list. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, well. Uh, you know, I think that they set the standard, uh, if anything, for the, uh, you know, the, the organization of guerrilla uh, movements. And uh, particularly w- with regard to propaganda, um, also their, you know, ambushes with small fire and booby traps and mm. their tunnel systems. Um, and of course, you notice a trend here: uh, IEDs and mines. Again, there the U.S. was its own worst enemy. You know, they dropped many millions of cluster bomblets uh, yeah. onto the ground, and these fighters would they would risk death and horrible injury to go out and collect these bombs. And they set up these uh, small, uh, essentially bomb factories. There were these workshops where they were sawing open these bombs and creating these booby traps and mines. And maybe half, maybe even more of killed and injured, importantly as well, were from these. And and virtually all of these um, ordnance were made from American materiel. Uh, and then I'll, I'll I'll include, of course, Lebanon as number three, which is I'm actually reading about that now, and I think that that's kind of overlooked. We're talking about American failures. Uh, you know, they went in in 1982 after the Sabran Shatila uh, massacre. They didn't they didn't last very long, only until 1984. Uh, mm-hmm. After, well, the Shias in particular uh, just hit the U.S and Israelis uh, anywhere and any way that they could um, hit and runs, nail bombs, roadside bombs, snipers. Uh, and of course they made liberal use of suicide truck bombs, which, which wasn't an arbitrary or uh, a lot of people have this idea that it's a fanatical weapon. It was, no, it, it was a very, there were very careful considerations for its tactical uh, propaganda uh, effectiveness and so and it was very effective uh, they had the bombing of the US embassy in 1983 mm. which killed 60 it, it, that was actually the, the deadliest day in the CIA's history uh, killed eight of their officers uh, including many very wow. senior officers uh, and then in 1983 just a few months later I mean they were relentless uh, they bombed of course the barracks uh, housing the uh, the Marines, um, th- that building disappeared. The, the bomb was so massive. Uh, the building itself was lifted out of the ground, wow. suspended in the air, and dropped mm. and collapsed onto itself. You have 241 dead Marines. At the same time, they bombed the French as well, killed um, many of their paratroopers. Uh, and only four months later, uh, Reagan said, fuck it, and they pulled out, and they didn't even bother to retaliate. Uh, mm. That's, you know, a, an example of a very successful and 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 um, of course these were claimed by uh, Islamic Jihad and later Hezbollah. Islamic Jihad is considered by some to be a, a precursor, um, and uh, Hezbollah I think would have to be one of the most successful examples of a guerrilla uh, organization that became somewhat of a state within a state. Th- mm-hmm. There's a um, just six kind of kind of success after success. I mean they pulled out in 2000 finally, and then 2006 again that was an Israeli defeat. Absolutely. 
Thank you for the uh, for the great top three. Uh, I think an honorary mention that we've all forgotten, but it was a great uh, great meme. Uh, I think a year and a half ago is those uh, ten dudes that got arrested by uh, Venezuelan fishermen. <laughs> that is a fucking <laughs> yeah. legendary classic. Uh, I, I whenever like I am having a stressful day, and you know I think the world is uh, slowly uh, burning up inside and outside, in a literal and metaphorical sense. I just think about the Venezuelan fishermen and. I smile and I go to bed. Like <laughs> uh, but speaking of uh, which and very in character to the topic that we've dis- we're discussing, what is it about the world's most advanced, wealthiest, and best equipped military not being able to absolutely annihilate any foe it chooses to face? Is uh, modern warfare just a waste of time and lives? Paper tiger. Both Paper sides. Paper tiger. Paper <laughs> tiger. Sides. Uh, let me do the question. Uh, uh, I'm kidding, I love you. Where uh, both sides just end up worse off in the end, or is the modern U.S. military uh, apparatus adapting? Is it even possible to adapt to fighting guerrillas and rebel forces and so on? With regard to adapting, I think, you know, Iraq was decades after Vietnam, and Iraq, there was far more advanced, not only weaponry, but also uh, technology for surveillance. Um, There were drones throughout, they used electronic eye scanners to create a database of retinas. Nothing worked. Uh, it was just more and more money spent and, you know, therefore a bigger and bigger success for the resistance. One book for me that was important early on, uh, I, I cited a lot, or his work a lot, William Polk, um, his book Violent Politics. Um, it's a short history of terrorism and guerrilla warfare. He has a formula. He he suggested eighty uh, war is eighty percent politics, and you know if that's what they call winning the hearts and minds, uh, and that's what they called it in Vietnam. Uh, in the beginning of his book, he tells a story of giving a talk at a war college, an American war college, um, and this is in the nineteen sixties uh, to a bunch of military, and they're totally outraged at his suggestion. That uh, he said flatly, "You've already lost," you know. Ho Chi Minh is the embodiment of Vietnamese nationalism. You've already lost. He, mm. You can't take that away from them. You know, in Iraq, even if many people hate Saddam, you know, when you begin doing raids house to house, ransacking homes, arresting all the military age males, putting them through the torture centers, um, you're hardly going to win the hearts and minds. Um, the subjugation and that occupation entails naturally breeds resistance. So the occupier will begin what they call counterinsurgency. What does that mean? Well, in Lebanon, they raided small towns and shot anything that moved and took all the men age 16 and up and brought them to detention centers to be tortured. You're doing Hezbollah's recruiting for them at that point. Mm-hmm. And also uh, an important point to just build up on that is that uh, when it comes to the anti-insurgency, quote-unquote anti-insurgency tactics uh, of the of the illegal settler colonial entity, but also the United States as a, as a result, it's very it has usually very little to do with winning the hearts and minds. It's just sadistic nonsense. It's it's a uh, a racist yeah. and oriental orientalist dehu- attempt at dehumanizing the so called enemy. It has nothing to do with trying to quell this. They just want to uh, spill as much blood as they can, cause as much chaos as they can, because they know in the end they're going to be forced out wherever they're mm. they're in. So they just want to create as big of a scar as they can before they leave. Yeah. Yeah, of course, that's the cover is, oh, we want to actually spread freedom and democracy, and they're going to love it mm. at the end of everything. <laughs> uh, no, they have 
no intention of that. And then with in uh, with Israel right now in Gaza, of course, um, we know for a fact it, people are just either willfully ignorant, but we, we have we have the facts already. You know, in two thousand eight, uh, Gadi Eisenkot, the head of the Northern Command, um, uh, said plainly that uh, oh yeah, we have a new policy now. So we're going to call it. Uh, we're going to name it after the uh, neighborhood of Beirut that we completely destroyed, called Tahia, and mm-hmm. um, every single vi- neighborhood in which any shots are fired from, we're going to completely destroy it. Mm. Um, and knowing the weight of what he was saying, he elaborated and said, um, this isn't a suggestion. This is a plan that has already been authorized. Mm. He, he's explicitly authorizing the targeting of civilians. That's what that means. Which is a war crime. <laughs> Which yeah. is Not major. Even the, d- yeah. Destruction yeah. of civilian infrastructure, regardless, is considered a war crime. I mean, we don't even need to begin listing the war crimes because right. we're going to be here all day. But no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. That's true. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and, and a lot of people tend to give a counter-argument to what we're saying right now, saying, oh, you know, pr- pretty much every military in the world does it and almost every state that participates in direct conflict with another state kind of does it and to an extent i would say okay i i agree but almost no state i would argue not a single state except the united states of america sells this as oh no we're actually doing a good thing yeah. we're doing a morally mm. justified thing most states say you know they use the again very cliche but you know national interest or you know they are hurting uh, uh, our state's potential growth or uh, uh, if we do not strike first they are going to uh, yeah. uh, this is going to come and bite us in the ass etc etc very often those are also very flimsy arguments but at least they are not based in so much insane hypocrisy and therefore do not cause as much uh, reaction both from uh, the populace of the country that is going to war itself but also the the rest of the the rest of the world literally to quote my dad like that's my like shoved in my head from back in the day regarding what the gdf quoted about you know no matter how much uh, the local population might not like a particular guy he literally said i hate so i don't like uh, completely dox uh, my dad i guess and threw it myself <laughs> but he said i fucking hate our guy and he spent like half of his life actively agitating against him but uh, at least he's our bad guy. Mm. Having, you know, our bad guy being replaced by a, by a foreign bad guy is far worse uh, and literally leads to, uh, leads to nothing. It's not even a comparison of, oh, what is, uh, you know, lesser evil argument or whatever bullshit like that. No, it's, 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 it's histor- an historical fact that an occupation force is always 700 times worse than whoever you have uh, locally being yeah. a piece of shit uh, yeah. uh, ruler. And don't even get me started talking about, you know, how, for, especially nowadays, most of the, you know, information we have on who was uh, a uh, either unproductive or lazy or very often v- villainous uh, leader of particular states and republics. Uh, you know, most of the sources we get on those particular leaders, uh, presidents, marshals, fucking commanders, whatever, uh, comes from the very same uh, states that uh, engaged in interventions in those particular countries. So obviously, even if they, you know, kicked kicked a dog, uh, which is obviously bad. Uh, they're presented to us as if, you know, they, they eat children's eyeballs every single morning. Uh, but uh, continuing on in our lovely, lovely conversation that is already proving incredibly fruitful, uh, <laughs> just like uh, Hakim's ballsack. Uh, on your God, channel. I something was coming. <laughs> God yeah. On your channel, you've uh, covered many forgotten atrocities uh, from what the Contras did to the horrors of the Korean War. Uh, what is it you think that makes some people, quote-unquote, 
unfortunate casualties and others rightfully targeted civilian victims. I uh, shouted out um, William Polk, but another early book that was very important for me, uh, which is probably not surprising at all, was Manufacturing Consent, of course. Um, uh, the thesis of that book plays out every single day. Uh, and right now, um, you know, I, I have putting a lot of emphasis on what's happening in Gaza. I think right, what what is happening there is extraordinary. Um, but, you know, right now... Uh, in the Western media, what happened on October 7th, an atrocity, there's no debate, there's no serious debate um, publicly about what happened and that that's uh, horrific. I mean, uh, you know, there were, when I, when I heard about it, I was personally, uh, it made my stomach churn. You know, it's, it was a very violent event. But after October 7th, it's, uh, oh, it's an unfortunate product of war. It's, uh, well, not really since they voted for Hamas, so they all deserve it, right? So you can literally see it happen overnight. That's the thing that's really fascinating about it. I mean, there are other examples in Cambodia. Cambodia, we were bombing Cambodia, uh, they were unworthy victims. Oh, it wasn't so bad. We didn't. We only dropped five hundred thousand tons of bombs. It turned out to be over well over two million, um, and you know. But even right now, okay, the Western media is completely silent about uh, Saudi Arabia shooting hundreds, if not thousands, of Ethiopians along their border with Yemen. Uh, they serve our oil and strategic interests. Uh, China doesn't. So talk at nauseum about their surveillance state and whatever else. Um, but um, and, and and what's happening with with Gaza right now in 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 Israel? Um, I think that's a, that that is a perfect current example of that playing out. Absolutely, a, a dash of Orientalism, some yep. spicy internal internal propaganda, and just uh, at this point, especially with uh, with what is happening in Gaza right now, a very black and white picture of uh, these people do not give a fuck about uh, international law. They do not give a fuck about uh, you know uh, claiming moral high ground as uh, you know representatives of uh, Western superior culture. Yada 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 but only an exclusively personal interest. And it kind of brings to, brings to a point um, and a very, ang at least for me, angering, um, angering, is that a term? Very anger-inducing, let's call it, mm -hmm. uh, point, point that it, and like you could excuse ignorance uh, to a point up until, I don't know, the 60s, 70s, the, the 80s, afterwards, fuck no. But now in the 2020s at this point where we've gone through so many, uh, quote unquote, conflicts, more like uh, pure imperial wars, uh, that uh, even a, a layman civilian uh, not seeing the, the hypocrisy behind it all is uh, to an extent uh, unforgivable because it's so like right in your fucking face that you are either a fucking uh, demon or so incredibly naive and propagandized that uh, you should most likely go back to sixth grade respectfully which we will call uh, uh, sixth grade gulags re not re-education camps we'll just call them school camping trips uh, but uh, yeah recently uh, very much in, on this point recently the letter written by bin Laden after the 9-11 uh, uh, terrorist attacks became relatively viral all over US social media uh, and it was very weird to me as a non-American that people were actually and unironically baffled by the words written uh, what they didn't uh, attack us because they hate burgers fries freedom and 
fireworks. It's so fucking mind blowing. People like can't like one million liked TikToks talking about oh my god, like they didn't just do it out of hatred. Uh, so do you think the classic quote U.S. delivering freedom argument, the concept which by the way uh, many attribute to Kissinger as we covered in a previous episode, is kind of uh, dying off, becoming less and less believable, or does it still click with the electoral body? If not, what direction do you think they might uh, start uh, taking? And this is an open question, obviously, we'll start with GDF, but I want to hear JT and Hakim as well. What's the new thing? I don't know, right to self-defense? I really really like that (laughs) one. That's a fucking new spicy one. I think when it comes to the electorate, it's kind of a complicated question. You have... In the United States, a lot of the left is very pro-war. They've shown themselves to be very jingoistic and very pro-war. Liberal Democrats are, yeah, they're all for what Israel is doing to Gaza, without exception. Even Bernie Sanders. I mean, a lot of people were very just heartbroken. I mean, for me, it was just so enraging. And uh, a lot of people, I think, were really – this this was really – Bernie Sanders – Sanders was like a bastion of of kind of like not even really radical but but very left on the on the yeah. far left of the of the political spectrum in Congress but I, I, I so you have a lot of the left which is it's clearly shown themselves to be very war it's really the la- radical left that is um, anti-war but also on the right it's an, it's not in any way an altruistic thing and you may not even be able to take their word for it but there's a kind of on the populist right who are. Uh, uh, for selfish reasons, not altruistic ones, that they're, they appear, to, to their credit, they appear to be anti-war, but it's mostly just, I don't give a fuck about Palestine. I want to fucking, you know, take care of our veterans or whatever. So so that's interesting. But I, I, I do think as an American growing up, uh, it was very baffling to me um, how little the sentiment of we need to be the world's police. People will pretend they don't think like that, but they absolutely do. Oh, yeah. They think, you know, there's a despot somewhere. Uh, are you just going to let Assad gas his own people? You know, um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, people expect us, uh, you know, we have a responsibility, whatever. Okay, yeah, we have plenty. My favorite, of- which, by the way, sorry for the, my favorite, before I forget it, that actually comes from people that call themselves like hardcore leftists, you know, socialists and anarchists and so on. Better us than someone yeah, else. Yes, I. Hate oh. that one. How do you say oh. that sentence, bro? Sorry, please continue. But ah, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just spasming over here. My fucking chair is rattling. Yeah, you know, yeah, it me out. Oh god. Well, I mean, when I hear like the world's police, it makes me fucking cringe. It's a disgusting um, idea, and the idea that oh yeah, us going in and carpet. But, yeah, I, 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 I am the immoral one because I don't want us to interfere in another country. But, but you want to carpet bomb them. That's yeah. what you ultimately want to do. You know, I'm the one who's lost uh, his moral bearings. But uh, y- yeah, but what, yeah, as an American growing up, it, the, the, how little that's changed has been really – with regard to Osama, I should say, um, because you asked specifically about his letter, the fact that people are surprised, it, it's, re- it's very telling. Osama bin Laden's interview – and uh, Ayman al-Sawahri as well um, – their interviews, you can find them on YouTube. They've taken them all down. You, yeah. Their statements aren't readily accessible. Um, but if you watch uh, Zawahri in as early as like 2002, or you look at uh, more importantly uh, Bin Laden's hard drive, uh, they you know emptied the contents on the CIA website and everything like that. You look at his reading material. What was his reading material? Chomsky, uh, William Bloom. Actually, 
in a speech he gave, he shouted out directly one of William Bloom's book uh, books, um, mm. Rogue State, yeah. uh, which is a great book, by the way. It's a great book. Uh, and uh, he quoted it at length. He was very politically motivated. It wasn't fanaticism. It wasn't radical Islam. He w- he, you know, It wasn't that he hated the United States because of their liberal democracy. He hated the United States because they bombed uh, Iraq, uh, because we furnished Israel with the weapons to level Beirut, which he directly cited as the moment that he knew that he wanted to topple towers in America, um, and so on and so forth. I mean, he was very political. You know, I've read, I've, I've studied Bin Laden for a long time, uh, and I know that when he was a young boy, um, he watched on TV footage coming from Israel and Palestine, and he cried watching this shit. I mean, it was very effective. Uh, it had a big, big emotional uh, impact on him, and that followed him through the rest of his life, and and, and all of his followers as well. Zawahiri, all of them. Uh, Zawahiri saying as, as early as 2002 in an interview that we're aware of not only the damage we did during 9-11, but now uh, we're still bleeding them. He was talking about the casualties, but of course the monetary cost. They were very aware of all of the political and economic uh, implications, and, and, and that's what they really were really targeting ultimately, I think, in my opinion. Absolutely. Uh, JT, you're, you're on the ground there as well. How, what do you think is going to be uh, kind of uh, a more, let's call it, uh, tolerable or less uh, see-through argument uh, being put forward for future U.S. interventions? Because as we all know, there will be plenty more as the empire slowly uh, kind of yeah. draws uh, some of its... Uh, now, not last breaths, let's be honest, you know, we're not going to see a multipolar world tomorrow, but uh, you get my fucking yeah. point. <laughs> uh, one thing that, uh, you know, plenty of people have mentioned before is the, we're already beginning to see the weaponization of identity politics to say, you know, okay, we need more uh, women fighter pilots, you know, we need more LGBTQ representation <laughs> in the CIA. It's like, okay, Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah. So a a masking of the these evil tendrils of empire uh, under the guise of acceptance or representation or you know whatever whatever group hasn't been tossed a bone recently by the democrats probably are, are the ones going to be uh, spearheading this particular initiative will be brought into the fold in an attempt to give a shot in the arm to us meddling abroad to say hey you are welcome you are seen in the military <laughs> you are you yeah. are just as capable of driving this death machine as you know this <laughs> this white guy so girl that, boss yeah <laughs> if you if you're criticizing uh, us intervention you're actually criticizing exactly. black girl boss exactly <laughs> it's and it's very transparent to people like us cuz we've been we've been in this for a while and it, and it's very we live in a we live in a society but you know we live in a society now where justifiably people can can point to instances of people criticizing anything to do with you know lgbt representation and say okay you're just you know you're a uh, transphobic and that is a huge problem in places like the united states there is that bigotry but it's a very convenient facade it's a it's a convenient way to get around legitimate criticism by basically using, you know, gay people or black people or whatever as, quote, you know, quote, to use the term, human shields to prevent the yeah. legitimate criticism of empire. Absolutely. 
So, uh, have you been following uh, the on-the-ground fighting between Palestinian and IDF forces? How is the situation developing, uh, in your opinion? And I know Hakim has been following it as well, so I want to hear both of you. The actual fighting between the forces. and so Yeah, the, yeah, well... Right how they moved into Gaza and etc. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I have my uh, Discord and everything, and we we have, uh, you know, we, we, we update regularly uh, whatever f- combat footage we can get. Um, and you know it's kind of sparse, and you know, and it's it's it, it's not always indicative of the overall broader trend. Uh, but it, uh, what I've seen is, you know, Hamas has made and Islamic Jihad, they, they, all of the resistance uh, collectively have made what looks to be liberal use of, uh, of course, rocket launchers, uh, but also mines and booby traps and everything, uh, in a kind of an echo of the uh, of the NLF in uh, Vietnam. Gadi Eisenkot, the guy I actually mentioned earlier about uh, the architect of the Dahia Doctrine, the targeting of civilians, the systematic targeting of civilians. Um, his son was just killed uh, in uh, by a booby trap, and so you know that that was a well a welcome development, of course. But yeah, so the um, I think mines and booby traps. I think there is an emphasis. It appears. I think it'll take some time to to see. But I think it appears that there is an emphasis on, you know, rocket-propelled, you know, munitions, and then there is some use of mining and booby traps. Um, you know, personally, I... Because that appears to be just among the most effective weaponry that you can use, I think, based on what I've read uh, about, yeah, guerrilla um, movements. Absolutely. And my favorite are uh, videos coming in from Israel, which is them walking through rooms and shooting at walls, uh, <laughs> <laughs> using the, like literally copying the way that uh, Palestinian forces release their videos with those little uh, uh, red uh, arrows, which are at this point yep. become like an online symbol of like uh, dog whistling, you know, who your dog is in the fight. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, just their inability and they have like fucking GoPros on every other soldier, <laughs> uh, their inability to actually produce footage where they're, you know, uh, taking anyone, uh, any of their opponents actually down is, uh, uh, concerning, but not in a bad way. It's just like, what the fuck? Like you released this and this was like literally sent back to their intelligence agencies. Mm, yeah. Somebody watched it. Somebody added yeah. the things and these are not released by, you know, uh, gonzo journalists online. These, this is released. <laughs> by official Israel pages on Instagram and on Twitter and their official websites. And this is sent over to BBC, CNN to actually post in like primetime uh, news. Imagine yeah. how much they're lacking actual footage of, yeah. of uh, anything. You know, if they're and they resorted this. to staging. My God, they resort to yep. rounding up whatever mm, civilians yeah. that they can and then, <laughs> then stripping them, sending the pictures out. And then everybody's like, wait, hold on, where are the weapons? So then they had <laughs> yep. to do a reshoot where they basically apparently told me Made them strip and then made them t- give their weapons, which makes no That's fucking sense. That's the logical sense. order no. to do it. Yeah, and, <laughs> and half, first of all, half the people in those in those uh, sorry pictures, for the well, that the resistance forces ball so big that they hide AK forty sevens in the crotch. Yeah. Exactly. My God, half the people who are in those photos that they released, by the way, have been identified as civilians. Um, the people you can actually see, make out their faces. People are saying it's like, oh, this is this is my uh, uncle. He's a shopkeeper. He, you know, blah blah. blah. Oh, this is my uh, brother. He works as, as a nurse in this and this place this is his name and then they show pictures and you can see it's like these are not these are random civilians that you're picking up I'm-
Don't yeah, you fucking yeah. know this. <laughs> yeah. What I was going to say, too, is that my favorite part of the, the, the staging and the reshoots is that in one picture, the guy has the weapon in his, in his right arm and, like, standing out as if he's about to drop it. Oh, yeah. And in the second image, it's in his left arm. He's standing out as if he's about to drop it. And they're like, oh, no, hold on, switch, switch arms again. <laughs> yeah. There's one of my favorite ones is a, uh, it's, it's, it's so clearly staged. One of them has a pistol in his hand. He's like holding it over his head, up on on the air, with his finger on the trigger. Nice, right? And I'm like, <laughs> uh, yes, because this is this is what you would do. If oh my god, how stupid yeah. do they think people are? Apparently a lot, and apparently Very, they yeah, are. Yeah. That's the that's the saddest uh, part of this uh, entire uh, conversation. The only my favorite part is, by the way, like there is no shortage of of, of Queenslings and fucking traders amongst the you know. Um, you can find people who speak proper Arabic to do something with, but the the either they're so racist or so incompetent as to be unable to find people. So they've resorted to basically dressing up Israelis in what they think Arabs yep. <laughs> dress like, and yeah. then having them speak the most broken fucking Arabic yep. or very like the somebody who's learned it academically but has never learned to pronounce the stuff properly mm. so you can <laughs> hear his incredibly or their incredibly thick hebrew accent it's yeah, yeah. What, what 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 decades of hollywood movies do to you literally <laughs> like tom cruise dressing as a as a, a russian general walking mm. into i don't know if you remember that fucking scene and i think it's a mission impossible yeah. Walking into the fucking headquarters on the Red Square and going up to like the security officers in the in, in the front and just speaking full sentences in Russian to them that literally mm. sound like dude you just walked out of mm. Yankee Stadium or whatever yeah. the fuck <laughs> and they let him pass and then you know he meets politicians and everybody's like oh yeah that's my boy like Tom mm. Cruise a classical Russian let's drink vodka and dress in Adidas <laughs> it's a what what a decades of of thinking that you know uh, yeah. nobody's gonna gonna see that. Uh, uh, these people are not actually from this particular con- uh, place yeah. or not uh, dust to your brain you know yeah, no. um, but uh, <laughs> speaking of, yeah speaking of like brain rot uh, and moving towards uh, the conclusion of this uh, great episode uh, Amy Schumer uh, <laughs> great intellectual hegemon <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. told me uh, Israel isn't an apartheid state and that comparing it to South Africa would be a mistake I have uh, a feeling GDF might uh, disagree uh, tell us what kind of insane arguments you might actually have against uh, some of the world's greatest political analysts like mm. Gal Gadot, Gadot <laughs> Amy Schumer, or that mm. fucking nerd from uh, Stranger Things. By yeah. the way, he has an amazing video on this, which will be linked below. Mm. Oh, thank you. So, you know, Amy Schumer, the foremost expert on um, human rights in the occupied Palestinian territories. Uh, I actually, you know, in my video I made about uh, Israeli apartheid, I cited a um, report from Michael Link, who was the uh, special, uh, then special rapporteur for human rights in the um, Palestinian territories, occupied Palestinian territories, OPT. Um, and, uh, you know, as he put it, and many other people have put it, but this was the leading, the UN's leading expert on human rights in the occupied territories. Um, and as he put it, uh, yeah, there are, there are elements of uh, apartheid that you saw in South Africa that aren't really there in Israel and Palestine, such as, you know, maybe um, segregated um, water fountains or something like that. Uh, but the, uh, what he called a petit apartheid. Uh, but there are many parts of the apartheid system in um, Israel and as well as the occupied territories uh, that you did not see in South Africa, including uh, segregated highways, 
um, high walls and uh, checkpoints, extensive checkpoints, uh, just everywhere, a barricaded population, namely Gaza, and of course the routine mowing the lawn, as they put it, of just, yeah, massacres of um, civilians, of a civilian population. Now, you didn't see that in South Africa. In the Bantu stands that you see in um, even just the West Bank, not even just Gaza, but in the West Bank, you have over 150 different uh, little islands that are completely, you know, when I, 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 I do a lot of coverage of guerrilla warfare, and um, there are ways to completely cripple a resistance movement. And I think, sadly, what you've seen in the West Bank is an example of that with the PLO and everything. When you completely rob a people of their freedom of movement, that's a mm. prison. You know, it, the, there's no way they can organize at that point for now. For now, um, as it is now, uh, it's it's. But what you see in end, you don't even have to really say Gaza. In Gaza, what's happening in Gaza is far worse than what happened in South Africa. Even in the West Bank, uh, yeah, it's it's totally horrifying, absolutely horrifying, and unique in the world. I can't think of another. Let's go back to Gaza. I can't think of another Gaza, a military mm-hmm. enforcing a what Michael Link called a medieval military blockade. You're uh, cordoning off two million people into an area that they can't leave um, and routinely uh, killing large numbers of them in, in what they call mowing the lawn. As a form of population control, that's unique in the modern world. I can't think of another example of that. So the claim that's often put forward that Israel is the world's most moral army, mm-hmm. I, 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 I <laughs> avoid making you know general or statements. I try to be quite conservative, but I think I can only conclude that Israel may in fact be the most immoral. The world is a big place. There are many militaries. That's a very broad, that's a very bold statement to make, but I can't think of another situation. Tough leaderboard to climb up on. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Absolutely it is. Yeah, but I don't know. I feel pretty confident in saying that. Yeah, absolutely. I suspect the United States is probably has done the most evil in the world in the last, you know, 100 years, but I think the most, like, per capita evil, that probably goes (laughs) to Israel. Exactly. Yeah. And also, yeah. Israel is mostly just a, a cancerous offshoot of the United right. States. So yeah. it's not. That's true. It's, it's a client. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. But just just looping back on the Amy Schumer point, she put up a, a post recently, which is uh, on her on Instagram, where it says, uh, "Who's really behind anti-Semitism on campus?" And the hashtag is Hamas on campus. Oh my god. Uh, oh, that my reminds god. me. I saw one of those stupid Hamas billboards. The other day, I was driving in Fort Worth, and I had the what you know, Hamas billboards? You, oh my these, these big, oh, they're these big pink billboards that say Hamas is yeah. your problem too. It's like, wow, <laughs> what what is Hamas doing in Fort Worth, Texas? Like, come on, yeah, yeah. Oh. no, no, they're about to come over the border any second now. But hold on, hold on, hold on. they're taking my cows. Okay, if, if you if you go and look through their stupid links, like the the you know oh uh, link tree, oh my gosh, you need to be informed, yeah. <laughs> like you know this bullshit. You look through it, and then it has a list of um. Uh, an unhinged list of uh, all the people who are apparently under the the reins of of, of uh, the resistance, uh, and these include wow. Doctors Without Borders, oh Human Rights Watch, UNICEF, <laughs> Amnesty <laughs> International, <laughs> and the UN. <laughs> the, the UN, just the, the UN. UN. Yeah. Yes, yeah. the yeah. UN as, as an famous Islamist jihadists. Uh. The UN. Yeah. yeah. Oh you, know, you know what the blue helmet stands for? It's <laughs> a, you know, metaphor. Yeah. Uh. Oh. <laughs> 
Well, it's like when I was reading about. Um, I think it would be better maybe to um, to pivot uh, to what you were talking about with regard to um, you know uh, Hamas is a problem in America itself as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I was watching. I don't know if you guys have seen. Uh, Barry Weiss uh, did a speech at the Heritage Foundation uh, in which um, she was basically arguing that very dangerously, this was a really troubling thing I was watching, um, that uh, the all of the protesters, all the people protesting Israel and in support of Palestine and uh, were basically being reduced to supporting jihad. And that was kind of how, or jihad, how, as she puts it, I know, of course, on my own that jihad basically uh, to the vast majority of uh, Muslims means uh, like any mundane struggle against exactly. sin, sin daily, you know, day to day life. Um, mm. But as they're putting it, jihadists. It's a war jihad. against self-improvement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. So, um, but I, th- I really was very troubled by that. And something she said was so stupid. It was so insane that I wrote it From down. From the Heritage I, Foundation? I, oh, well, yeah, right. <laughs> I, I won't soon forget it. She said, mm. we must wage a war if we seek to build a world fit for our children and Uh-oh. if we want to save America oh. itself. Okay. And I thought, blood and soil, Zikail, America. You think America is that? You know, we need mm. to um, commit a genocide in Gaza because we're saving America itself. I thought that that was so insane. I was like, and th- that really just like symbolized. <laughs> Biden is doing such a good job of that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. That absolutely blew my mind. That I, I think that was a moment where I thought that. We've kind of lost touch with reality. Other, you could also call that psychosis. Yeah. Um, and, and to, yeah. uh, on among large swaths of the American populace, I, I was really alarmed by that. That was very alarming. Yeah. You know, look, the the most interesting development of this is uh, a very you know Leninist uh, weeks and years and years and weeks type of moment. Uh, or a situation where basically the entire geopolitical setup that existed prior to October has completely crumbled to dust and will not return. Um, the st- fall in standing that the United States has experienced, um, and by the way, and the, the, the international pariah status of the illegal settled uh, colonial entity as a result, um, how heavy the, um, the, the, the label of supporting that is nowadays. This is a, a massive shift that will reverberate over the next couple of decades. I think this is the, um, I, like, maybe I'm being slightly optimistic, but if in the early 60s when the UN imposed an arms embargo uh, on South Africa at the time, this was kind of, this was before the sanctioning proper, right? So it was just an arms embargo, which is still better uh, back then than what's happening now. But I yeah. think that is the equivalent moment, right? Mm-hmm. Afterwards, it took another 30-some years um, and several uh, military encounters before uh, apartheid in South Africa fell apart. Um, but uh, the cur- current illegal settler colonial military occupation is no more um, solid. Uh, it is just as fragile as, as that previous system. And the more they go down this far-right, you know, um, hyper-settlerist perspective, you know, when, when you kind of strip away the, the, the foundational principles of, of that uh, country when it was first founded through, you know, labor Zionism, the idea of maybe there should be some sort of 
cooperative existence, but the Europeans coming in are the ones who are going to run the show and own everything uh, and have exclusive political power. Um, but there should be still some sort of balance, at the very least. And that's being very generous to them, by the way. It was still a horrible existence. Uh, mm. This is being completely sh- shed for a, no, we need to completely expel um, the several million <laughs> Palestinians from this land um, through, uh, you know, uh, oppression or through bullet or uh, in any, any possible way. Uh, the sea that they fi- find themselves in of complete... Not, I don't know what the right word would be in English, but uh, the absolute disdain that the, mm-hmm. the, the, the entire region feels for them, uh, even across and the ideological world. Yeah. and other uh, points. And of course, yeah, by extension, the world as well that has developed. Several countries have pulled ambassadors. Other countries are, have, have uh, yeah. cut um, diplomatic relations. Um, several large uh, businesses have um, decided to reduce their total investments in the, or completely eliminate them by pulling out entirely uh, from that particular market. This is a, a, a shift um, that we didn't see in the past through all the misery and pain that that uh, illegal occupation has caused over the past uh, 70 plus years. Um, nothing of the sort has happened. And at the end of the day, um, the price is very high, I would say, of course, but it's not any higher than it had been prior either hmm. um this is basically a sort of a sped up timeline of what they were going to do regardless absolutely and i think that is uh as as depressing as it might sound a positive note uh, hmm. to end this uh this episode on at, at yeah. least hopeful to an extent that uh you know uh, we're always hopeful we're always optimistic yeah. the, the 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 truth always separates itself from falsehood this is a a, a divine precondition First and foremost, secondly, the resistance of a people so attached to their land and so connected to the to the environment around them. These people can never be uprooted. Um, these people will never be separated from from their essence, which is their their country. Even if they were to be expelled or no matter what else, they will always come back. Uh, that nation will never see peace. That that illegal military occupation will never know peace as long as it is illegally occupying this land. A new conversation will take place once a egalitarian and equal democratic process takes place in which every single citizen of that land, regardless of uh, religious affiliation or ethnicity or whatever else, has equal political rights and, of course, democratic ability to participate democratically within the, the, the government. Only then could some sort of uh, reconciliation happen, uh, but the uh, that that is a um, still a long ways ahead, I think. Filthy radical people mm-hmm. being treated equally. Oh my god, I have a <laughs> exactly dream. Right. What is this fucking yeah. liberal on my podcast? Shut exactly right. <laughs> uh, no, absolutely. Could it, couldn't have put it. I don't think anybody could have put it. Uh, yeah, as well beautifully as, put, uh, Hakeem. Yeah. So, with that being said, thank you, unironically, GDF, for an absolutely brilliant episode. I think you will most definitely be a guest that comes back on again. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. I, I'd I love think nothing the more. audience. Thank you very kindly, sir. I think the audience uh, will love you, and the audience mm. will be able to find your work uh, in whatever links check you send our out. way below. Banger absolutely. after banger, absolutely. <laughs> check it, check his shit. stuff out. Seriously, very good shit. <laughs> but uh, but uh, let me not take uh, the privilege of uh, plugging yourself. 
Oh, wait, that sounded kind of homoerotic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, at the end of this this uh, this uh, this lovely lovely session that we just had right now, so GDF, please tell our audience where they can find you and what they can expect from your content. I am on YouTube, of course. I'm GDF, uh, Golf Delta Foxtrot on uh, mm-hmm. YouTube, and then I'm also on Patreon. I post everything there, and I'm on Twitter, and that's basically it. Twitter, I'm um, uh, GDF on X. I post everything there. Uh, I will continue posting about Israel and Palestine, about Gaza in particular. And uh, I plan to expand uh, into traveling, um, going on location. Oh, nice. And, um, awesome. and yeah, just, tr- you know, so I, I think I have plans for the future. And I hope that uh, any anybody who's willing to watch, uh, yeah, I have plans to definitely expand and um, tell the story in a more compelling way uh, as much as I can. I had, before we wrap up, I just have to say uh, uh, my levels of liking this guy was 12 out of 10, but now it's down mm-hmm. to 10 out of 10 because he <laughs> fucking called it X. This motherfucker <laughs> called it X. Everyone hates that. Son Everyone fucking hates that shit. <laughs> you know, I'm new to Twitter. I am, I am, I am, I'm very yeah. new, so... Uh, but yeah, yeah. You fucked up by even coming up. <laughs> you regret this for the rest of your life. Uh, but please check out the links in the description below and check out his amazing work uh when it comes to our show thank you so much for our wonderful patrons without whom this show will up ap- would absolutely not have been able to run uh there are multiple tiers over on the patreon where you can go and uh, choose to support us through uh you can get many stuff like access to our exclusive discord server get early episodes get exclusive episodes the lowest tier is one exclusive episode a month now which we have upgraded and uh, the higher tiers get two exclusive episodes absolutely every single month as well as every single non-exclusive episode one week early as well as hangout sessions with yours truly uh with that being said thank you so much for uh, joining us gdf thank you so much to our audience for joining us today and see you next week be sure again to re-emphasize this is the third time saying it banger after banger go check out his stuff (laughs) (laughs) with that being said this is vanity program i'm hakim i'm jt i'm yugopnik and i'm gdf come on give us a quip (laughs) <laughs> Give us a quip. <laughs> Put him in the fucking on the spot. <laughs> and go the fuck to YouTube to watch GDF. Hey, that's what it stands for. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. <laughs>